0: Welcome to the Eight Keys of Sales Excellence podcast, powered by Sales Awakening. Join the sales and marketing community that have made the choice to strive for excellence, both personally and professionally. Now, please welcome your host, Craig Francisco.
1: Hi everybody, it's Craig Francisco with Sales Awakening. I am so fired up for this podcast. It was a great interview that we just had with Gene McNaughton yesterday, and I'm gonna cut over here in a few seconds, but let me just give you a little bit of a background with Gene. 25-year um, career now, spanning over you know, a couple decades. Started with Gateway Computers, which a lot of us would have remember those days. Small, obsolete company that he helped grow to $11 billion. Gene then went on to work with Tony Robbins and led his global sales force. So we've, We're talking about some Tony Robbins experiences, Chet Holmes in the podcast. Super awesome. Um, you're going you're gonna to love it, so please make sure you listen all the way through. Today, Gene is now a president of Elite Concepts Consulting, and he consults on really on business sales strategies for very large companies across the world. He's an extremely popular keynote speaker as well. So we're very, very honored to have Gene on. So please listen in, enjoy, leave some comments. I'm so excited that you're here. You're going to love it. Take care. Bye. All right, Gene, thank you so much for taking your time. I'm very, very excited to have you on our Eight Keys of Sales Excellence podcast. This is, uh, you know, I know you're a busy guy, so I want to get right to it. But, you know, with your experience, Gene, you've now been on your own for for eight plus years, been in sales for over 25 I know you've seen differences between companies that are successful and continue to grow and improve upon their sales and marketing. And you've also seen companies that for whatever reason were unable to to get unstuck. I mean, they just were unable to move their business forward and grow like they wanted to. And I'm just curious if you could share with our listeners you know a little bit about what you've seen out there, and just kind of help us understand what what what's the differences between these two
0: companies. Oh, Craig, it's it's evident at this stage, and you know at this stage now, I have consulted almost 120 companies. I think we're coming upon that, and when I say consulting, it doesn't mean that I just go and do a keynote speech somewhere. It's like literally in the trenches, working with their sellers, working with their marketers working with their operations people for CRM and metrics and tracking. But it is absolutely evident that the best companies in the world are the ones that invest in their employees. And they do this through process implementation and integration. They do this through ongoing and repetitive training. But I can see clearly companies that are successful. Look at the Apples. Look at the Dells. They have significant investment in their people. So they go out and get the very best content, whether they develop it themselves, they get it externally, they don't do just a one-shot-fits-all, okay, I'm going to do one day of sales training and expect everybody to be great because, I, Craig, you know at this stage that you can't go to the gym once and get in shape. Why would right. we think that you get one round of sales training and all the reps are now you know, performing at peak levels? It doesn't work that way.
1: You what know. I
0: find with, what, Craig, what I find with companies that are stuck or complacent is just really. the opposite. So they're hugging every dollar. They're not investing in marketing. They're not investing in their people. They have you know, consistent beliefs that because somebody has been in sales for 10 years, that they're a good salesperson, which I find you know, kind of crazy if you think about it. But you, you want to hire people that have great attitudes, that are hungry to make money, but you've got to give them the training. You've got to teach them what good looks like. You've got to come back to it again and again. You've got to have a strong management staff that coaches and observes and gives guidance. But those are the common traits of great companies.
1: And what do you? Think, and that's that's great, Gene. Thank you. That's a that's great insight. So, you know, in my experience now, twenty years in, in sales as well, I've you know, I've worked for smaller companies and larger companies, and there's no doubt that the leader, I believe, the leader of the organization plays a huge part into where the dollars, the training dollars, let's let's say a company believes in training. Sales is typically not the first place people look to spend their, those dollars. Um, it might be more on professional development within culture or uh, you know, understanding more of the of the textbook knowledge about the product or the service that they're actually selling. So that the the question I have for you, so these these leaders that you work with on a daily basis what makes the successful ones stand out and are different from the others
0: well from a leadership standpoint i mean there's common traits of great leaders and you go from steve jobs to you know all the way down the list to people you haven't even heard of there's consistency one is they set the vision Two, they set the parameters around what needs to happen to achieve that vision. Three, they get people involved, the managers, the VPs, even the sellers or the customer service people or the marketers in executing that vision. But one thing that great leaders all have in common is clarity of where they want to go and the frequency of which they communicate that. Without that, you've got chaos. You've got people that are doing a bunch of stuff, They're waiting to look at the numbers till the end of the quarter or the end of the year and they're hoping and praying that net-net there's a profit margin left. Those companies can perform okay in economies like we're in right now. You and I were just talking and I was saying, you know, what article that needs to come out, whether you write it, I write it, or somebody else writes it, is don't get drunk on a great economy. Because what I'm seeing right now are people that in a normal economy or a struggling economy would be performing like a D and an F student, but those people, because the economy is so good, are performing like you know B and A students. So right. a great economy lifts all salespeople, but if, if sellers have not been through a recession like we were in in 2008, 2009, 2010, they're in for a rude awakening when everything shifts. And that's when businesses struggle. When we have this next economic shift, which it's predicted to happen in the next two years, companies that have not paid attention to process documentation, executing best practices, and training will be left in the dust. I I agree, and that's a you know it's a scary part when
1: you look at you know the, your local community or the people that you know that are in business that that are you know they're, they're excited things are going well, but they're not reinvesting in the business. Um, you know, they're not focusing on the future. And that's, that's, like you said, that's a scary place to be.
0: There's no doubt about it. No doubt.
1: Let's talk, let me ask you a question about social media. I want to get your opinion, Gene, being successful like you have been, there's lots of uh, great posts on LinkedIn and and throughout social media that, that I read. I know you read as well. What's your take on a business being engaged with social media today and then going, looking forward into the future? How it's important an, is it?
0: Oh, Craig, it's an absolute positive must. And, you know, what I advise companies, <clears throat> excuse me, what I advise companies is they need to be active on every channel. And that requires them to think in terms of how do you eliminate the friction? Because you got different people that go to different places. Some people go to Instagram, some people go to Facebook, right? And some, some companies will say, well, that's we don't have a product." that is good for Facebook. Facebook is just for, you know, people that wanna share pictures of their kids. That's nonsense. You wanna be where the eyeballs are of your client base. LinkedIn, if you're in B2B sales, is an absolute must. And you don't go there to advertise what you do, you go there to add value. The more value you add, the more attention you'll get. One of the great podcasters I listen to is a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk. And he's so right that this is an attention marketplace. If you can get the attention of the people that you're trying to sell to and you get that attention by adding value to them. Now, how do you add value? You send market updates. You send trending updates. You might introduce a new product now and then. You offer webinars based on industry insights or big challenges or problems in the industry. You want to be looked at as your market's best educator. Social media right now is the least expensive forum. You can do social media posts for free. Right. With a lot of companies that have salespeople that are scattered throughout the country or the countries that they're in, a lot of their salespeople aren't even on LinkedIn. And I'm saying, look, you you know, LinkedIn marketing is not just marketing's job. So marketing can create a great post of industry trends, but it's only going to reach the people that have subscribed to that company's LinkedIn profile. But if they've got 30 sales, I mean, do the math, Craig. You've got 30 salespeople in the marketplace. Each of them has 1,000 connections. Right. Marketing puts out a great LinkedIn piece, but ev- all 30 salespeople share that same piece to their 30,000 connections. That's better advertising than making a commercial and playing it on channel 450. right. Yeah. Right. I mean, we've never had these, these times are unprecedented. And whoever's listening to this, they are limited. The days are numbered when you can do this much advertising, this much market messaging for absolutely free. Yeah. And that's I, the analogy I use, Gene. It's, it's almost people, the businesses
1: and industry professionals that are not active and engaged on social media today. It's like owning a storefront and having the sign flip to closed. Leaving it that way all day long. That's kind of the analogy. It's to me, I because I hear all the time. There's a a customer, a client I'm working with um, here in my in my hometown, and that we were going through concerns and challenges and what they're trying to accomplish. And one of them, he comment that he made at the very end of the email is, "Oh, and by the way, don't worry about social media. We don't do that." And and I can't wait to have a conversation with him because it's just amazing because people do look at it in a way that maybe it started out where it was, you know, taking pictures and it's all communication between friends and, but from a business standpoint, it is massive. It's inexpensive and the ability to touch so many people has never been greater.
0: Yeah. And and it's limited. It's it's not like this, this blue sky thing. And you know, some people are saying, well, it's just too late. No, it's not too late. And now let me be very clear, social media will not sell your stuff for you unless you're offering a, you know, an online, whatever. I mean, it will sell some stuff, but social media is a marketing weapon, just like a brochure is, just like a case study is, just like a, a webinar technically is a social media event, but it allows you to create one message and cascade it to thousands of people. It's no different than companies that have done you know, mailers in, in the mailbox. It's no different than companies that have tried radio. It's no different than companies that have tried television advertising. But social media allows me, if I want to place a paid ad, I can pick out the title of the person. I can pick out the gender. I can pick out earning. I can pick out area of the country I want to advertise to. It's There's never been anything like it. It's unprecedented. And I'm telling you right now, everybody, it, it's only going to last, you know, for a couple of years before all the big companies start doing it, and then suddenly these ads that cost us pennies are going to cost us dollars. Right. Then it's going to be too late.
1: Yeah, totally agree. That's great insight. So I do want to ask you a couple fun questions here before we close out, and, and one is, if you're, what advice would you give to somebody that's getting into the sales profession? either out of college or made a shift in their career for whatever reason, but they're just starting out in sales. If there was a message you could line everybody up and you had the stage, what would you, what advice would you share?
0: Concentrate on personal development. Go find, whether it's my stuff or somebody else's stuff, go find a handful of people that are the very best in the business. That would be the best books, the best podcasts, or even look internally at the company you're working for. Who are those top performers? Or who's that sales manager that was a top performer, has been with the company, and learn from them? Know that you don't have to reinvent the wheel yourself and that it's not just hard work alone that's gonna cause you to be good at selling. If you wanna be really good, you've gotta obviously work hard. You've gotta make the calls, have the appointments, handle the leads that are being given to you. Create leads yourself. You've got to do the work, but if you do the work in the right way, the results will come. So if you do a little bit of work in the right way, you're not going to get great results. If you do a lot of work in the wrong way, you're not going to get great results. So commit to learning. You know, sales mastery is, you know, I look at it. Somebody introduced me the other day and said, this guy is the sales master. And I chuckled a little bit and said, thank you for that. But I I said, look, mastery is not something you achieve. Mastery is a pursuit. You're always in pursuit of mastery. You never actually achieve it. You know, somebody doesn't become a black belt in taekwondo and stop. They go for second degree, third degree, fourth degree. They're always on the learning path. Sales is that way. But here's the one thing I can tell you. You get good at this profession. There will never be a lack of jobs for you. There's never a lack of a job for somebody that knows how to open an account, that knows how to get in contact with people, somebody that is persistent and it, it, you know kind of has that Teflon skin that, you know, the ups and downs that can come, they don't affect those people. Right. But you get good at this profession, you've got a job for life and a high-paying job at that.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. So really, recapping a few things here that I think just want to make sure everybody – you know, has this written down or is committing this to memory. If you're a business owner, let's talk about the companies that succeed and grow and the companies that stay put. A lot of it is focus on your processes, uh, understanding your data, the analytics, what makes your business work, improving, uh, you know, the relationship between sales, marketing, operations. It's really just focusing on that business and knowing that you have to continue to reinvest your dollars to move the business forward Second big point is social is here. You need to be on there. We all need to be engaged. Uh, Like you said, the window is small. I mean, the time that we have to invest dollars and get these huge returns may last two years, if that. So the time is now. and, And if you're not on social, I mean, I swear to God, it's almost like you're, you're closed already. You're just not planning ahead, you know, smart for the future. And then lastly, you just touched on personal development. If you're new to sales and you're looking to grow and improve, I mean, personal development, and I know, Gene, you're the same way, and having worked with Tony Robbins and and Chet Holmes in the past, I'm sure a lot of that you saw every single day, is that some of the great people, they're like sponges. I mean, you can't get enough of it. And I think it's important for everybody to know that we can all get better. You know, we, we, we're never going to arrive at this place that we think is the end-all be-all. We can, need to continue to move forward.
0: So those yeah, are great Craig, Craig, I'll add to that. It's like, so if you're new, even if you are have been in sales and you just feel like you're in a rut, go you know buy a Kindle, download some of the best sales books. And there's so many good ones out there yeah. that you can learn from. Even the old ones you can learn from or some of the new ones that are coming out. I mean, they're just... There's, there's no end to it. And that's what I love about this profession is there's always something you can learn. There's always something new. I mean, five years ago, or even three years ago, I, I didn't pay that much attention to social media. In hindsight, that was a huge mistake. You know, So once I got serious about using LinkedIn and started posting and putting videos up and writing articles, then things just, a whole new world opened for me. And you better believe it. If you get involved with somebody, you're, you're the seller and pursuing them for, you know, to sell them something, they're going to look you up on LinkedIn. They're going to Google you. Right. This is why social media is so darn important.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. That's, that's great insight, good information. And just one, one other fun question I want to ask you before we wrap up. And, and I don't know if, if anyone that knows Gene out there, if you look at his LinkedIn profile, Gene spent quite a bit of time with Chet Holmes and Tony Robbins and actually, Gene, I don't know, but I was at a, a company, what, 10 years ago, and we actually invested in the business mastery program. So oh, well, awesome. Which is great. So I'm super familiar with what you actually helped create and then share with you know, the business world out there. But can you give us one memory that we will enjoy as a special to you, maybe one you'll never forget that you shared with in Tony Robbins presence, something that, you may have heard him say, or a conversation you have between the two of you that you'd like to share with the listeners?
0: Well, I get asked this a lot. So I'm going to answer for Tony first and then Chet. Um, Here's what I'll say about Tony Robbins. If you've seen him on video or seen him live on stage, there's nothing like it. I urge everybody to invest in themselves and go see a Tony Robbins event. But the one thing I observed with him and I saw him, you know, late at night, you know, I was the VP of sales. I was his right hand man. It was the his uh, authenticity you, you know what you see on stage with him is the same guy you'll see off stage and in fact off stage he's even more intense but he truly lives his mission of helping people create a better life and I'll never forget that there, there wasn't a guy on that was on stage and a guy that was off stage he was exactly as you see him awesome but- one of my favorite memories was probably the first big event that I spoke at and big meaning, you know, more than 10,000 people. And I was on the steps behind stage getting ready to go out. And I was, my job was to introduce Tony and, you know, talk for about five minutes and then get everybody excited, get, and then Tony comes running out to a screaming crowd. And he, he, I remember him in my ear going, this is your first really big one. He said, don't mess this up.
1: (laughs) No
0: pressure, right? <laughs> no pressure, and he, yes. he said that. And I just kind of laughed a little bit. I was, I was waiting for like these amazing words of wisdom, and yeah, yeah. you know what he was really doing because uh, I burst out laughing a little bit. I'm like, "That's not what I was expecting to hear." And he goes, "Just relax. Just get up there and be yourself." He goes, yeah. "You are ready for this moment, and you know what he did by breaking my pattern because I was just, I was reading. You know, I have, I was on a script. I had to write sure. things." And get all the words right, and get his intro right, and get his bio right. Um, he, he was just doing it to make me laugh. And, and essentially, what he said was, hey, "Look, you, you're ready for this moment. I, I've, you know, I have all the faith in the world in you." And that was one moment. I, I'm just reflecting on this right now that I can just, I can see it, I can smell. It, I know exactly what it was like. And. Um, watching him get ready behind stage before he went out on the stage was always amazing. Cause he, he got himself in, you know, the peak mental state and you think about it, this guy's in, it is not unusual for this guy in today's world to be in front of, you know, arena, a basketball arena that's filled with 10,000, 12,000, 15,000 people, you know, three or four times a week. I mean, right. he's that big, yeah. you know, people say, well, what happened to Tony? I'm like, Tony is now global. He could be in- <laughs> yeah, and that's no exaggeration. He could be in Beijing one day. He could be in London the next. He could be in LA the next. Right. Just, that's how in demand he is because people want to aspire to have a better life. And there is nobody better in the world than Tony Robbins. It's just, it's a fact. Right. Um, Chet Holmes, in talking about, in, in observing and working with Chet, the one thing I remember about him is his relentless pursuit of the, the next level. And he accomplished some big things. In fact, he was written about in you know multiple magazines. He was on the cover of Success Magazine. I mean, he, you name it, it right. Chet got all those accolades. And this was a guy that, that nev- whatever he achieved, he, he would always like, okay, yeah, we did that. Or when he wrote his book and it went New York Times bestseller, he spent very little time uh, celebrating his accolades. He was always on to the next thing and he relentlessly pursued perfection. So when he talks about his sales team, they had a regular meeting, a rhythm meeting every Monday, where he taught selling, how he sells, he role played with people, he put them on the hot seat. You never knew if you were gonna get called on by Chet. And he did that to make sure everybody was paying attention because our team was all virtual. We had sellers, managers, and leaders from all over the country because we worked remotely. But he was relentless at um, representing his brand and making sure that every person could recite w- what made you know the Chet Holmes International Company different, why it mattered, what were the problems we solved. I mean, he grilled it like a drill sergeant. And you know, you, you don't create a, a multi-million-dollar business in this industry by accident. It only comes from execution. Right. One of my great memories of Chet was. When him and I got really close, he started talking to me about something and he kept using this phrase. He kept saying, What would it mean, Gene, if you created life changing income? And, you know, that to me was kind of like pie in the sky, like life changing income. That's like saying, You're going to be financially free. And, you know, all these <laughs> platitudes that you hear. Right. He said, no, he goes, I'm serious. He goes, Let's just look at the And I'd worked with the guy for a year. So he saw what kind of money I made. Right. And he said, What if we took this figure and you doubled it? starting next month. And I said, okay. And I mean, you think about it for listeners right now, if if you looked at your average monthly income, the last 12 months, so last year, this month, what'd you make? And if you doubled that, and he said, what would you do with that money? And I'm like, I've never thought about that. He said, that's your next assignment. I want you to live in the world as if your income is doubled. And he said, I want you to write it out. He said, what would you pay off or what would you buy? What would you do with the money? Where would you invest it? Um, What would your retirement savings look like? What would your house look like? Your car look like? But he made me like go through the exercise of what my life would be like if my income doubled. So if you're making, you know, $4,000 a month right now, what if it went to eight starting next month? Right. And it maintained that for 12 months. And you get to the end of 12 months from right now and you have doubled your income. He said, Gene, those are the life-changing moments. And he challenged me. Once Once I laid out the number, I put it on a spreadsheet, very easy to do. I just looked back at my last 12 pay stubs or 12 months of pay stubs and doubled that number. And then he said, I want you to write out what you will do with that money when you have it. And what he taught me was a different way to set goals. I was always a goal setter, but what he taught me is you will not perform big until you think big. And once I got that number down, he said, now, how many deals do you need to win in order to get there? And we identified that because we knew what percentage I made on any deal that I sold or any deal I worked. And he said, okay, what's your conversion rate when you talk to a lead? And we had identified the conversion rate. And he said, how many people do you need to talk to at that conversion rate to hit that number? And the numbers were just not even, they just seemed so so big, I couldn't even fathom. It. And he goes, he, and he said this, same thing how, how we started this. He said, in what areas do you need to get better in order to increase your conversion? So not working harder, but working smarter. To achieve those numbers. But he made me reverse engineer the whole process to say, wow, if I just do this and I get better at this and I do it repeatedly over time, meaning I invest in myself, I read, I listen, I take massive action, I plan my schedule, I plan my time. He goes, if you do these things, you will accomplish that. And sure enough, and I write about this in my book, sure enough, I accomplished that. And I I got an understanding of what life-changing income was. Everything changed for me. And I've never gone back. I've never gone backwards since that day.
1: That's fantastic. What an experience, you know, to be around two legends and, and still at your young career where you were still able to shape who you wanted to become. What a, what a great experience you had. That's, thanks for sharing. Those are, those are fun stories, very much. Yeah.
0: And, well, then, we, this is, and Craig, for the listeners, yeah. you can do, listeners can do the exact same thing. And, you know, what I find is, you know, independent statistics back this up, but um, I have found this in real life is that less than 10% of people that I encounter even have written goals. And if they do, they're more like New Year's resolutions. You know, in the next 30 days, I'm going to start this and stop this and achieve this and achieve that. But I find this over and over again is that people radically overestimate what they can do in 30 days but they radically underestimate what they can do over the course of a year. And this is why like New Year's resolutions on January 1st, they're very popular and we've all done this. We said, okay, this is the year I'm gonna quit whatever that bad habit is, or I'm gonna start whatever that new habit is. And that's why you see your gyms so packed in January, (laughs) February, March. And there's a a cascading like a downward um, hockey stick about April is when People have bought their yearly membership. They've joined the gym. They're committed. And then you find the gym is just as quiet, as quiet in April as it was in November, right? Right, yeah. But, you know, I want to encourage people to, you know, look a year out and say, if your life were ideal, what would it look like? And write that down and set those as your targets. And then reverse engineer, what do I have to do? What do my behaviors have to be? What do my habits have to be to put me in position to achieve the things that would create my ideal life. Yeah.
1: Well, that's great, Gene. I appreciate your time. I'm humbled to have you as a guest on our podcast. I think there was some, just some great nuggets of wisdom that I know the listeners will definitely be able to to listen, execute
0: on. And I just can't thank you enough for your time. It was, it was great. Craig, it's always a pleasure. And you know, for the people out there, whether you're new in sales or you've been in sales and you feel like you're in a rut or you just want to get to the next level, then, you know, the number one key, self-investment. Yep. Read, well, listen, watch, whatever, whatever vehicle works for you, find the very best in the world and study their stuff. You, you will find radical, positive things in you know, the writings of other people. Fantastic. All right, Gene, have a great day, bud. Thank you so much. You're welcome.
1: All right, we'll talk to you soon.
0: Thank you for listening to the eight keys of sales success podcast. Please subscribe to our channel and visit our website at www.salesawakening.com for additional sales and marketing content. Remember, we all have a choice to be excellent. Make the choice today.